Welcome to the podcast service of Sydney's FM 103.2. Available on the web at fm1032.com.au. Hello, I'm Kel Richards. Thanks for joining us. Nice to have your company. This is a time of night when quite often we sort of want to put the the, uh, the brain into second gear. You know, just we, or maybe just kick it into neutral and slide downhill as we slide towards sleep. I'm not going to let you do that tonight. Tonight I want you to sort of keep the brain ticking over for at least another 15 minutes. Because I want to talk about something which I think is important. It's the big picture. In uh, a very funny book called The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy... Douglas Adams talks about the meaning of life, the universe and everything. Well, he's making a joke. But having that big picture view, really seeing the big picture view, being in touch with reality in that sense, I think is important. And tonight I'm going to try to take what I call the wide-angle view. Thanks for joining us. Nice to have your company. When very wide-angle lenses, the cinemascope lenses, panavision lenses, vista-vision lenses, were developed in Hollywood in the 1950s, suddenly movie makers could show us big, spectacular scenes that we'd never seen before. They could show us the whole battle scene, or the whole of a city skyline, or the whole of a spectacular forest fire in one big, super-wide-angle shot. Well, let me tell you that Christians have been using that sort of wide-angle view of the world for some time, mainly because that's what the Bible gives us a view of the world as wide as eternity. There's even a word that's been coined to describe this sort of view of the Bible and this sort of uh, view of the world. The word is cosmoscope, C-O-S-M-O-S-C-O-P-E, cosmoscope. For instance, one leading Christian thinker, the late Herman Doyeveerd, professor of philosophy at the Free University of Amsterdam, used this word cosmoscope to describe the biblical worldview, the wide-angle view of the world, and especially of world history, based on the Bible. All of this may sound terribly remote and pointless to you, but it's not. If we are ever to know where we stand and what our lives are meant to be all all about, we need this big, wide-angle view. It's like having a map. Only when you have an accurate map can you find the spot on the map where you are and the road that will take you in the right direction. Tonight, my aim is to sketch out this cosmoscope, the Bible's big map of human history, in just a few minutes. To do that, I have to give you a wide-angle cinemascope shot of the Bible. Once you can see the Bible whole in a single super-wide-angle shot, then you can see reality whole. You can see the world, especially world history, whole. And that means you can see the map. This kind of cinemascope view of the Bible gives you the only accurate map of history in existence. Having this map in your head means that you can know for certain the meaning and purpose of your life, why you're here, the direction you're meant to be going in. Okay, here we go then. Here is the cosmoscope, the super wide-angle view of the whole Bible in a single shot. It consists of summarizing the Bible in six words and one concept. The one concept is the kingdom of God. And the six words are Eden, Adam, Abraham, Israel, Jesus, return. If you can memorize those words in that order, and remember what they stand for, what they mean, then you will have the map in your head whenever you need it. And to understand what those words mean, you need to grab hold of the concept, the starting concept, and that is the kingdom of God. So that's where we start. Okay, let me explain that to you. The kingdom of God consists of three things. God's people in God's place under God's ruler. God's people in God's place under God's ruler. And how that works out in practice changes over time because the Bible tells us the big story of how God has worked and is working in this world over time. 
as God slowly reveals himself, his intentions throughout history, then what is understood about the kingdom of God, God's people in God's place under God's ruler, develops. And as God changes and directs human history, the kingdom of God develops and changes too. So at the beginning, in the Garden of Eden, God's people consisted of Adam and Eve. God's place was the garden. God's rule was direct. God himself was there with them, teaching and instructing them. Later on, much of the Old Testament period of the Bible, God's kingdom had a national expression. God's people were the Israelites. God's place was the land, the land of Canaan, the promised land. God's ruler was first the judges and then the kings that God placed over those people. Then in the New Testament period, this changed when Jesus came and announced, the kingdom of God is at hand or is here. For instance, in Matthew chapter 4, sentence 17 and elsewhere. And Jesus explained to Governor Pilate that his kingdom is not of this world. That's in John chapter 18, sentence 36. Now that Jesus has come, God's people are those who follow Jesus. God's place is a spiritual place, not a political place. It is being in Christ. For example, in Romans chapter 8, verse 1 and elsewhere. And God's ruler is Jesus, which is why we call him Lord. God's people, God's place, God's ruler. At the end of time, when Jesus returns, it will change again. Then God's people will be all of the redeemed, all of the rescued. God's place will be the new heavens and the new earth, which you find referred to in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 13, and Revelation chapter 21, verse 1. And God's rule will once again be direct, because after Jesus has brought all things under himself, he then hands it all over to the Father. For instance, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 27. That's the great theme running through the Bible, the theme of the kingdom of God. God's people in God's place, under God's ruler. Well now, tonight we are getting a grip on the map of history, and the map of today as well, because today is part of history, that the Bible provides. By seeing the Bible whole, in one wide-angle shot, and the Bible consists of six words and one concept. The one concept is the kingdom of God, and the six words are Eden, Adam, Abraham, Israel, Jesus, and return. Now I've talked about that concept, the kingdom of God, God's people in God's place under God's ruler. Now let's look at those six words which summarize the whole narrative history of the Bible. Here they are. Eden, Adam, Abraham, Israel, Jesus return. Eden, the kingdom pattern is established. In Adam, the rejection of the kingdom pattern is seen. In Abraham, the kingdom is promised. In Israel, the kingdom is foreshadowed. In Jesus, the kingdom is at hand. And in his return, the kingdom is completed. What I suggest you do is to write down those words in that order. Eden, Adam, Abraham, Israel, Jesus return together with those short explanations and use that slip of paper as a bookmark in your Bible that will keep the map, the wide-angle view, constantly before you. Now, if you have trouble remembering those words, and I've been saying them quickly, haven't I? Then go to the Christianity Works website, www.christianityworks.com christianityworks.com go to the uh, reflection part of the site and print off the script of tonight's program and then you can copy out from this script that you've got uh, those words Eden, Adam, Abraham, Israel, Jesus return and what they all mean I'll just go, I'll go through them again a bit, slow, bit slower okay I know I've been saying it quickly a bit slower a little bit more detail word number one is Eden the kingdom pattern established. That's Eden, the kingdom pattern established. Eden, the Garden of Eden, was the perfect world, the perfect kingdom as God created it before humanity spoiled it. That perfection is what I'm calling the kingdom pattern. 
that perfection was there because God was in his place in charge and humanity was in its place under God, serving God. And creation was in its place, managed by humanity on behalf of God, according to God's instructions. So that, that's the first word, Eden, the kingdom pattern established. Word two is Adam, meaning the rejection of the kingdom pattern. The primeval parents of the human race fell from that perfection, dragging us, their descendants, along with them. When they rejected the rule of God and decided to run their lives their way without God, to disobey God. All that is evil and painful in this world today is the result of that rejection of the kingdom pattern. So word two is Adam, and that means the rejection of the kingdom pattern. Word three is Abraham, which means the kingdom promised. God's first promise to Abraham was this. The Bible says, God says in the Bible, I will bless you and make your name great, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. You'll find those words in Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. The plan was never to have a, a private club, a holy huddle, but rather to bless the world, all the nations, through the restoration of the kingdom, which is what God promised Abraham. So word three is Abraham, the kingdom promised. Word four is Israel, the kingdom foreshadowed. The political and national entity that was ancient Israel is what is called a type. That means a symbol of the real kingdom yet to come. It was only ever a staging post on the way towards the kingdom that Christ would usher in through his death and resurrection. We need to take all the material, national, political components in ancient Israel and see the spiritual reality that they point towards in the coming of Christ. Ancient Israel was the shadow that Jesus cast before him. So in ancient Israel, word four, Israel, the kingdom foreshadowed. Word five, Jesus, the kingdom at hand. It was Jesus who announced that the kingdom of God was at hand, that is, had now arrived, meaning in himself as God's king, God's appointed ruler and rescuer of planet Earth. Much of his teaching began with the words, the kingdom of God is like. And this is the age or era of human history in which we live. This is the point of the map where we are. We need to understand this in order to understand our world and ourselves. We need to see battles as spiritual battles, blessings as spiritual blessings, not material, physical blessings, and not get caught up in the materialism around us. That's why Jesus said, you cannot serve both God and money, for example. Those words are found in Luke chapter 16, verse 13. So in Jesus we have the kingdom at hand. And finally, word uh, six, return, and that is the kingdom completed. When Jesus returns, the kingdom will be fully and finally restored. Describing that event, the Bible says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be any mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And that great prediction of what is coming is found in Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 to 4. That is the return of Jesus, the kingdom completed. Just remember those six words in that order, and you'll have the Bible's map that shows you today in the context of eternity. That map always before you. What am I doing tomorrow night? Oh, tomorrow night. Uh, tomorrow night's program is called What's It All About? Like the old song, What's It All About, Alfie? It's tomorrow night. Uh, here's our thought for the night. Our thought for the night comes from Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. Jesus said, 
repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Until tomorrow night at this time, thanks for your company. I'm Kel Richards. Bye for now. We hope you enjoyed this FM 103.2 podcast. To listen to more great audio, visit fm1032.com.au.